his wife Jamila and I'm going to be hosting the podcast today uh, asking him a series of questions about 2019 and looking through to the future. So Bob, how you yeah. doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well I've had a drink for the first time in a long time. I think with the exception of Vegas, I've drank probably about one unit of alcohol in the last two and a half years. Mm, um, oh no, St. Lucia, St. Lucia, I did have a drink. Yeah, and Antigua last year. Okay. Okay. So the last, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that sounds really bad, but when that's spread out over two years, that's yeah, not it's spread bad. out over two years. Yeah. Um, but I am drinking some snowballs because it is Christmas, and that's what real men drink at Christmas. They drink <laughs> snowballs. Um. So I'm I'm nervous, I guess, because I've never been on this side of it. Yeah, um, it must be weird for you, because usually you're the one running the show, and you kind of steer things back in the right direction, and. Uh, Tonight is my turn. Well, the one positive I know for sure when I've got you with me on the podcast is I'm not going to get called Carl the whole way through, which is a nice change. Do you know what? I might just do it just to see, just to continue (laughs) that tradition. Just to see if our marriage certificate can be shredded. (laughs) Um, No, I'm I'm looking forward to it. One thing that's going to be different, I already know, is when you're asking people questions, you have to be thinking of the next thing you're going to say and you don't really know where they're going to go. I'm glad I don't have that responsibility now. That's true. You are relinquished from responsibility completely. Have fun with that. <laughs> okay. So first of all, 2019 has yep. been quite a year, mm-hmm. quite a year personally, quite a year professionally. So talk me through the biggest change of 2019. Um, I think, I mean, that's a big question to start off with. I think the biggest change for me as a person Um, I've towards the end of this year, especially, I think it's time I started to put a little bit more, um, of a, um, a sense of importance on mental health, something that I've neglected for quite a while and something that's been a problem for me for quite a while. Um, I think moving forwards, I don't think no matter how good, uh, you know, anything else in my life is going, if you don't take care of yourself, if you're constantly sort of running away from taking care of yourself, it will catch up with you. I think it's, um, I remember my dad always saying to me, you know, you can, you can go like three days without sleep and then you'll sleep for three days. You can't actually get away from it. Um, so it's, it's just going to be a case of kind of catching up. I've got a couple of months off now to kind of focus on mental health and, uh, trying to sort of lift my spirits a little bit and, um, get so, myself so ready. So you think that for like, sort of like the last 12 months or at least the last 10, 11, it's been kind of put on the back burner. Oh, I think for the last been- seven years maybe yeah. longer. Um, I think, um, there's been, there's been what would probably to most people be deemed as like small things that have happened since I started photography that, um, I've just kind of figured if I just don't look at them, they don't exist and you just keep moving forwards. Um, you know, I, I did a YouTube video last year and it's not actually up on my YouTube at the moment at all, but, uh, talking about like my worst experience in photography, which was, uh, when I was in Finland. And I went through all the problems I went through there. And, um, since the video is not up, I'll just explain the premise. Uh, so I was in Finland, very, very new at photography. Um, and I was photographing a wedding in the Arctic circle. So it's like right up there, not much light, minus 30. And I had, um, the beginnings of what is now a recurring condition uh, called uveitis, which, 
um, means that my immune system basically thinks my eye is like a, a foreign object and tries to like squish it. And it's very painful, very annoying. And had a great deal of uh, problems with it while I was in Finland, but I think it was on, I, I can't remember exactly, to be honest with you, this is all a bit of a haze from that period, but on like the second or third day, I think it was the second day I was there, uh, I get a message from you telling the telling me that my auntie had died, um, someone who I was very close to. And basically there's no flights back. I've got a wedding to photograph still. I've got to get through the next five days with no one there that I really knew trying to um, put up with the pain, which fortunately Finland has very lax laws on pain control. It certainly does. Um, so I could get hold of enormous quantities of very large pills and that kind of, literally I wouldn't have survived the trip if it wasn't for that. And then I had to come back and have a needle stuck in my eye and then deal with the funeral and so on. I went through all of that, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, uh, following on from that, I was obviously very, very low um, mentally on top of having all of the physical issues. And I canceled a batch of essentially like free shoots that I was going to do, um, with, with various models. I kept my commitments with all of the actual work I had, but the, the, uh, free stuff had to go. Yeah. And, uh, two of the models I was supposed to work with, um, in the circles that you find these people, uh, started, sort of publicly bemoaning that I had made up my physical condition and I had made up my auntie dying as a, as a means to get out of photographing them. And I think it's one thing to kind of think that, um, and I can understand for sure that there are people that do make really crap excuses and they do tend to throw grandparents and things like that, you know, in front of the bus to kind of have an excuse to not do something. Yeah. Uh, but for me, um, reading some of that was just, horrible. Um, and it kind of, it told me a lot about the human beings that are generally sought after for being beautiful, maybe aren't always beautiful people. Um, it's actually quite a good way of putting it. So yeah, I mean that, that still, I haven't processed properly. I haven't processed what I went through with, you know, various family members, your family members and so on. Um, so the personal stuff has just caught up to me and it's a good time now, I think, you know, the business is relatively stable as much as some people don't want it to be. Um, and it's a good time now for me to kind of focus on getting myself right. And then, then we take the next step with the business. Yeah. I think it's always good to take that break from anything you do, whether it be, uh, whether it's something in your profession or something that you do personally, or whether it's people that you're around, it's always good to have that break. I think you need it to recuperate, to re-energize, um, and to just kind of rethink a few things and, you know, reflect. Yeah. I mean, um, I've offset, um, weddings with portraiture and portraiture with weddings. So when one ticked me off, I could go on to the other one and kind of, when you're doing it for a job, you don't have a choice. You can't sort of be like, well, I'm not really feeling weddings today, so I'm not going to go. Yeah. Um, so I tend to offset one with the other. Um, but that tends to only chase the problem. It doesn't eliminate the problem. So kind of masks it. Yeah. And, um, it's, sometimes it's just, I, I'm, I'm someone who I hate turning stuff down. Always have done. I've always felt uh, like I'm letting people down. If I turn stuff down, I also feel like I'm going to miss out. Um, so to take a break and kind of let myself feel that way, but realize that that's not the most important thing in the world right now is probably the best thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
the probably the more interesting answer for most people would just be me saying that the switch to Fuji is the most important thing that's happened this year, but it's not. Um, it's factored very, very small in the grand scheme of things. But so I mean, so we can we can get onto the Fuji stuff in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what <clears throat> professionally has been the biggest change for you then? Because um, even though I am your wife, I don't really know. And well, you don't ask a lot of questions. To be fair, you just get asked a lot of questions. So <laughs> I am I am quite a quiet introvert, really. Um, what's been the biggest change? I think I don't know. I mean, could it be like? Could it be something like the editing process? Could it be how you approach weddings? Could it be how you uh, how you deal with particular clients? Um, modeling side of things. I mean, this year you've been photographing men predominantly. I oh, think I suppose, the only yeah. time you've really photographed women have been workshops. Workshops. Yeah, yeah. When agencies have forced me to. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. So, I mean, that's quite a drastic change. That's because, a good point. Yeah. Okay. You know, so you- I, I did just write a blog about um, the fact that in 2020, I'll be switching all my personal work over to just portraiture of men, fashion shots of men and whatnot. Um. I mean, to be honest with you, the blog, which was um, sort of scanned over by uh, Charlotte, who did the first podcast, uh, so that it, it read like it was a coherent piece of writing, not like it was just me hitting my head against uh, the keyboard, um, probably explains it better than I can right now. But essentially, um, I'm just, I'm very fatigued with, um, to be completely honest, working with female models and very fatigued with it and it's not all nothing is all it's not Stalin it's not everything is everything it's you know you can you can let bad experiences take you know large portions of your attention and ignore a lot of the good experiences which could be the majority but the fact is is that um I think that female based sort of portraiture fashion work and so on is just so hypersexualized. um I find it tiring um, and I'm sure there's a joke in there, but to be completely honest with you, I just, I just find it tiring. I find it irritating having to unfollow accounts of photographers that I liked because they're doing like more and more and more and more like what I would just call softcore porn. Yeah. And it's like you used to do like cool portraits and now you're just chasing likes and male attention and whatnot. So do you think the the increase in that has, and the change, do you think it's just been because attention? No, I don't think so. I think, no, no, I think followers, like followers on social media and stuff is a big part. But um, another major part is um, this fake revolution that we're going through with women, um, where this idea of like women do exactly what men want them to do. And I mean like the worst kinds of men. Women do exactly what men want them to do. But as long as the women feel like they're doing it for themselves, then it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of pitting women against women to get women to do stuff. And I think that there are people falling for that. Um, I, I just think generally speaking, um, I think photography is a bit of an arms race. It's just who can, There's you don't go back. You know what I mean? Generally speaking, you know, serial killers don't start stealing gum. You know what I mean? They don't stop killing and start stealing gum. You you escalate. I I think we've always talked about human behavior always escalates. Yeah. And I just think that with the hypersexualized nature of the majority of female-based portraiture, I don't really have a, a dog in that fight. I don't find it interesting. 
Um, and on top of that, I think like makeup trends for women, especially some of what I see with weddings and some of what is being encouraged by other women or makeup artists or whatnot. Um, it's just so over the top. I think we're right back at the eighties, you know, the big hair, the shoulder pads. I think we've got our own version of that now with contour and highlighter and injecting ourselves in every orifice and every part of our body to make it look bigger and more cartoon like, and no one looks like a person anymore. And then on top of that, you've got the, the nature of that, um, that, that brand of people also have access on their phones to incredibly robust editing for, for selfies and whatnot. So that's definitely one of the biggest problems that because camera phones now are so good, the apps that are programmed for phones, um, are also so good. So you can get professional photography programs on your phone now as apps Mm -hmm. and people now are so used to editing themselves in a very particular style that when they see their face taken by somebody else, they don't see what they want to see. What they, what they see is almost a fake version of themselves. People are caricatures now. People's, it's, it's across the board. People's politics, they're caricatures. They, they, you know, we live in a generation of people carrying around. Can you imagine seriously explaining the premise of a mobile phone, a smartphone? to someone a hundred years ago, you're carrying around God in your pocket. You know, it can Mm. answer any question you've got. And yet everyone's walking around misinformed. People are only reading a quarter of a paragraph. You know, it's just the nature of the way people are now is, is we are caricatures. We, we need to constantly tell people about ourselves. We need to constantly control narratives. And I think part of that comes down to self-image. You know, people want to constantly be seen a certain way and, my biggest issue with it, if I'm completely honest, and this is incredibly on PC of me to say, but my biggest issue is the witch hunt that there is a men in a male enforced uh, idea of beauty standards for women. Yeah, I have never in my lifetime ever heard a a, a male ever a straight male for definite ever bring up. Yeah, I like her, but I just wish she had more collagen in her lips. You know, I, I, it just, it's not, this stuff is just not conversations that are happening. You know, it's just, what's, there's a, there was a comedian I saw who said there's not a lot of, um, cat calling builders working in the higher up, higher echelons of Vogue, deciding what goes on the cover of Vogue. You know, that tends to be non-straight males. Yeah. Is, is a is a cliche, but it tends to be non-straight males, tends to be women, people in the fashion industry, maybe straight males, but they're definitely not like builders off a building site who are the people getting blamed for these supposed enforced beauty standards that women have to adhere to. Well, the- I mean, I'm a member of the women's club mm-hmm. and um I don't I don't have any collagen in me or anything like that. I don't I despise all that kind of stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Um but as a car carrying woman even as a teenager, I would read the occasional like fashion magazine or whatever. And the articles in there were always written by women. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a single male name against any of those articles. The editor of most of those magazines, I can't say for now because I don't touch any of them, but 
when I was growing up, like glamour and stuff like that, it was all written by women. Mm -hmm. Uh, The photographers for the photos may have been men, but I never really paid any attention to it. But definitely the articles were all written by women. It was women telling us women how we should look, what should we do to improve ourselves, what the man thinks is sexy and what can we do to get there. Yeah, without any consultation of... of of men, what I'd always say is there was um, uh, there was a point where it was being said that like the covers of of you know Vogue or Harper's Bazaar or whatever were being picked on the basis of reinforcing a male stereotype of what a woman should look like. I hate to break it to anybody that's got an IQ above their shoe size, but men generally will settle. Yeah, I know disgusting pig guys who have, you know, no self standards, but we'll talk about what they expect a woman to like, or they'll pick on the floor of another woman. That's just an asshole. That's not representative of an entire group of people. And you don't find often guys like that are particularly well received in conversation with other men. So this idea that we kind of get together in our secret meetings and you know, we decide to pretend to like something so well, that women- are not doing that? We're not doing that, no. I think generally speaking, it's just very fatiguing. I'm very tired of the the constant need to reinforce a stereotype that I don't believe is a real stereotype. Yeah. There's a lot of stereotypes about men that are absolutely true. I mean, the in one ear out the other stereotype about men is absolutely true. It can be more true of me. Um, You're not that bad. No, but it's it's an absolutely true stereotype that men will probably need to be told something like three times to to get it. There's a reason in a lot of cases that stereotypes exist, unfortunately. There's always some truth to stereotypes. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is always not always some truth to all stereotypes, but there is always there is there is always truth to some. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's not all stereotypes that are true, but the ones that are true, it's not like Okay, so it's not like you can break down an entire subset of people by one characteristic, but it's also ridiculous to then turn around and say that we're not going to say this entire group of people are a certain way because that would be considered you know, racist or sexist or xenophobic or whatever, but then turn around and say, but 50% of the world's population is giving the other 50% an unreal standard to live up to. It's just not true. There's enough of blaming each other, enough of being uncivil with each other. The lack of civil discourse is disgusting. The constant need to vilify the other person, the, the, um, the constant need to justify being horrible to each other is, is tiring. And I just find at the moment that I think possibly one of the biggest issues as well is Instagram. And I don't know what's going to happen when Instagram changes the rules over and make it so that they, you know, you can't see the likes Mm -hmm. because then all of a sudden people aren't going to have a metric by which to measure their proverbial with, um, against everybody else, you know, and it's going to go back to the actual content of what you're putting out, not, you know, well, it's, it's crap, but it can't be crap because a hundred thousand people clicked like, of which, you know, 60,000 are the same people that are causing elections to be skewed because they're Russian bots or whatever. I just think that everything about the female side of fashion 
right now is very volatile. And then add on to that, that I'm just not a particularly big fan of the current fashion trends. I don't think they should change for me. I just, I don't have much interest in what is currently um, a prerequisite for photographing a lot of women, which is the heavy contour, the completely ridiculous, like cartoonish levels of plastic surgery that are being done to younger and younger people. And the editing that to me that's where it goes yeah so so what is it when you're photographing male models what is it that you like because you've done loads of male model shoots you've even gone back on past male model shoots you've done some re-edits and you put them out what is it that you going oh yeah no what what's what's basically but what what is it about these images that's making you want to continue to photograph male models um i think that from a from a technical point of view, I get to scratch the same itch with a camera. Um, I get to use the camera in the same way. I get to approach the technicalities of the shoot in the same way. I do find that photographing men, there's a lot more uh, latitude for expression. Like you can you can kind of proverbially, not literally, like you know, figuratively push people a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, try and get different expressions. You can have a bit more back and forth um, without worrying about how the dynamic looks, you know, whether or not you're punching down, so to speak, or punching up. Yeah. Um, I find we're, you're more on the level Yeah. Uh, when you photograph men or when I photograph men, sorry. Um, I would also say that the editing process is unbelievably easy, um, but enjoyable, easy, not just like just fly through it without thinking it's actually enjoyable easy what about like the styling of the sheets because you've you have a particular style to your images anyway mm-hmm. so how do you approach that with male models and you know what what is it about the styling with them that you really like i think if i'd have been doing this two years ago it would have been different it would have been a lot harder because two years ago maybe even a year ago i was very focused on that kind of like floaty lacy you know girl in the field yeah. um, and that's hard to translate yeah. Cross, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to translate to to a masculine image. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas since I sort of found um, Agatha Serge, uh, Peter Lindbergh, and a few others, and by find them, I mean just like I became aware of them. They were already huge, um, but since I found more raw, um, sort of strong portraits that weren't reliant on being pretty, not that they weren't pretty, but they weren't reliant on it. I've been able to translate what I like about even the feminine portraits and use those techniques with men and it's worked fine. Yeah. Um, as far as going back and looking at old pictures, to be honest with you, until I really got in with agencies, finding reliable male models has just not been possible. Um, most of the guys that, okay, so here's a, here's a real stereotype about men. If a guy is good looking for definite, if he's been good looking since the age of about 12, he's probably completely useless by the age of 22. Yeah. Like completely unreliable. And I don't mean like not, I don't mean not ugly. I mean like good looking, like people would turn when he walks past them in the street, you know, six foot two built, whatever, but good looking. Generally speaking, you you don't end up being a good person if you get told that, you, you know, your shit smells like cinnamon rolls your whole life. And I think that the first feature that we all go to all human beings go to with kids is how they look 
and you know you reinforce oh they you look how blue their eyes are look how you know red their hair is or whatever it's like yeah. you constantly dote on a feature or on a look yeah and then that's all they've got you know ugly people like me you have to develop some form of personality which i failed to do but I at least tried um i i just think i think now's the right time for me to do it i think it's a good challenge i've always liked going against the tide and one thing that i really do like with photography more than more than anything than anything I've ever done, more than mu- more than with music, more than with um, like cooking or anything like that, um, is handicapping myself. Yeah, and taking away what is a very viable tool. If if I'm just to photograph like ridiculously good looking girls, no one's going to care if the photo is good anyway. Most of the time, yeah, it's not going to stand out. People are yeah. just going to pay paying attention to the girl. Um, and I, girl isn't the changeable to woman. I'm not being, you know, degrading or anything. I'm not intending to be degrading. Um, but across the board, if you can produce images of male models where you can get a guy to say, that's a really cool shot. I feel like that's, that's more of a compliment than people, you know, I, some of the comments I've had on images in the past have made me feel disgusting. So, yeah, and I don't even do stuff that's. That's kind of, the, that's kind of part of the thing though. It's because those images now with the platforms that there are they're just so open to a vast amount of people and so many different kinds of people where even things like you know 10 15 years ago we didn't have those kind of platforms especially not to the level that we have them now so it's it's definitely changed the the interesting i think is that the platform changing has opened up how we respond to certain things you know if i were going back 15 years um if a girl I knew posted a picture of herself online in a thong, it wouldn't be looked at as a good thing. Yeah. You know I mean, if not that there was really the means to do that going back 15 years, but like, it's weird how the bigger the audience has got, the lower the threshold has got. That's the side of it. I've spent most of this year just being confused by social media. Yeah. And that's one of the sides of it that I haven't been able to get my head around is, is this idea that like, it's worth giving up a significant portion of your dignity to have people you don't know tell you they like you without your dignity on. Yeah. Well, I, I think that your um your male model portfolio is very strong. Um definitely your portfolio is, I would say, the strongest that it's ever been, which is obviously a good thing and the number of years that you've now been photographing. It, you should be at your strongest point, but I, th- I think mm. you've got a very strong male model portfolio now. Um, I've been very fortunate this year to work with some really great guys um, with really great character and great look to their face. And- there's quite a lot of mood in some of them as well. I think um, in the when you were talking to Carla, you were talking about the mood of an image and how you get the mood of an image and mm-hmm. you know the communication between the photographer and the model and everything. And you can tell in a lot of the photographs you've taken this year, you know, the mood is, you can, you can feel the mood. You can feel what that model was feeling at that time, especially when there's pictures of them holding Chica. <laughs> you <laughs> well, know? She's, she's got to show them how to do it. She is, you know, she's, she's that communication between you and the model. <laughs> she's, do you know what? That's been another big change for me as well is the, when you're at home on your own mm-hmm. uh, and you've just got some editing to do, or you haven't even got editing to do, um, you shoot for the sake of it. Yeah. And that's something I've been guilty of. Probably one of the worst things you can do as a portrait photographer is shoot for the sake of it. 
because not only will you probably not want to use the images, but because the other person will, they're now on the internet. And I've there's a lot of images that I've taken in the last three years that, Christ, I wish I could get them off the internet. Yeah. But they're, they're out there. there and you yeah. just have to keep working and, you know, make make other stuff shine a little bit brighter and so on. Yeah. But having Chica, since we've got our lovely little puppy, I've been fine with I'm not doing anything today I'm gonna to spend I'm gonna take the dog for a walk for an hour and a half and yeah take some pictures of her and put my attention on that as opposed to oh, there's nothing going on I'll, I'll you know go to the shop and get a cornetto yeah Two <laughs> <laughs> so um so obviously like I said, there's been quite a few changes this year and everything mm-hmm. so um has there been has there been anything positive happen that you didn't expect or there were, you didn't anticipate anything like it would happen sort of the last oh, yeah. year? Yeah, there's been one big thing that's happened this year that's that's um, been really hard to quantify how much of a big deal it is. Yeah. Um, and actually something I was thinking about pretty much this whole week um, is you. Um, Me? Well, I set you a couple of like sort of, I wouldn't say targets because it makes it sound like I'm your boss and I'm not your boss, but... I sort of set you a couple of challenges um, this year for second shooting and sort of, you know, maybe started like November or October last year, whatever. Um, But in the last year or so, um, some of the work that you've produced has just moved the wedding stuff to like another level um, for me. And it's, you know, I now, I've, in the right way, feel like I have to up my shit to make sure I can stay with you. Oh. And that's, that's, that's been really cool. It's really nice to kind of, it's nice to be pushed. That's really nice. Cause otherwise you get complacent. I think a lot of people yeah. are very good at being complacent and. Hey, well, I'm going to keep kicking your ass then. So you keep getting better. Well, I think one of the things that you've been brilliant at this year is you've certainly gotten over your, uh, for, for the most part, you've gotten over your fear of people. Yeah. When you have a camera, um, which has been great because you, you have a wonderful personality, but when you have a camera in your hand, you tend to get quite shy and quite nervous and stuff. Um, but the main thing really is, you know, the, the style to which you're now creating images of like wedding sort of paraphernalia, shoes and, um, jewelry and flowers and so on. Um, it's just added like to now I, I think back to weddings that we've done before you were doing that. And I just think, Christ, our stuff must look really different yeah. for not all the good reasons. <laughs> like I can't imagine now a wedding where we don't produce some of those really cool, almost like product shots that you do, Yeah, which I, I literally threw a, I remember throwing, um, like a Pinterest board at you and you, um, you just ran with it. Yeah. You know, it was, that, that was awesome. You just kind of, you took five or six images that I showed you and you just kind of have built on it. That, that's, that's been the most important thing to me is the fact that you didn't just get to a point and you were like, cool, did it. And then you stopped, you've kind of kept going. And um, I see the enthusiasm on shoots as well now, which is really nice. Although I hate saying shoots about weddings. That's not what it is, but you know what I mean. You see the enthusiasm in sort of my, my primary, when I'm the primary of those things, that's what you mean. Because you're not shooting shoes and stuff like that you're not shooting her the bride's dress being put on um that's typically me so yeah yeah no no that that's pretty cool i didn't i didn't expect that so i didn't expect what you didn't expect <laughs> nothing just, like making yourself laugh yep, that's like to make myself laugh 
Okay, so let's talk about your equipment. <sighs> yeah. Because as we've said in the what podcast I will that say you and I did. Before we get started on this is I have talked in the podcast about Fuji before. So I can't talk at major length, really, because it's not much to talk about. Oh, no, no. This is what I was going to say is okay. that we have, we've, we've really talked this, about it yeah. and it has come up in other podcasts as well. So we don't need to. I think probably the most important thing to talk about would probably be the fact that a couple of weeks ago I said to you, you want your Sony back, don't you? And you said yes. Yeah, I do want my Sony back. I miss my Sony. The Fuji okay. is, yeah. The Fuji's a nice camera. The thing is, is that it. the thing is I've been there with switching stuff up and maybe it does what you want it to do maybe it doesn't mm. and this is just a situation where although you have produced some really cool stuff with the fuji you just feel like you're hitting that wall and you want the sony then we get you the sony yeah it's all it comes down to at the end of the day it's a, it's a tool it is yeah That's it's why a tool. i find, it's I what find you feel comfortable with i find the majority of conversations about camera gear to be irritatingly tedious yeah because when the conversation is, this is better than this. I just know I'm dealing with someone that's going to struggle really hard to tie their own shoes. <laughs> yeah. You know, this isn't better than that. You know, there are, so one of the things that, okay. So one of the things that does really get my ass up with, um, uh, with camera gear and the way people approach it is confirmation bias on your own purchase. Mm -hmm. So you buy something and then you, like we all do, you notice that there's a couple of things about it that you wish were different. You wish were a bit better. Yeah. And that are maybe on your old camera could do something better or you miss a particular feature or whatever, but you can't admit to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to be able to justify your purchase. So what you do is as a really, really clever, totally not transparent thing, is you start getting just ludicrously aggressively positive about your own stuff and putting down other people's stuff. And at the end of the day, like since I switched from Canon to Fuji, I enjoy photography more. The camera isn't as good. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. The, the 5D Mark IV is a significantly better camera than the X-T3. Mm. And I'm sure that there's people out there that either own an X-T3 or whatever that would have a problem with me saying that and would, would argue with me because, you know, they've they've taken 25 pictures of their cat and they're amazed by how quick the focus, whatever. I, you know, I took about 250-odd weddings on 5D Mark Threes and Mark Fours. I know the insides and outsides of those cameras. I've smashed them. I've pulled them to pieces. I've run them into the ground. I've used those cameras to death. And I know what they can do and I know what they can't do. Mm. And what I'm currently going through with Fuji is the, is the teething sort of era mm. where, or, or section where you kind of try and figure out, okay, this camera can't do this particularly well, but here's how we trick it into doing that particularly well. Yeah. You know, there's, there's behaviors with the Fuji that honestly are driving me nuts, mm -hmm. but it's just about figuring them out. Yeah. A camera has character. It's like a person. It's like you being married to me. Yeah. You've had... I'm not exactly what you would want, but you work to figure out how to enjoy what I am mm -hmm. and how to accept what I'm not. Mm -hmm. And that's just how life is. Yeah. <clears throat> so historically with your Canon and everything, you couldn't live without your 135. That was like your lens mm -hmm. and it still sits in the cupboard in this office. It's the only one I held on to. The only one you held on to. Yep. So 
for years, like your go-to was that and your, your Canon camera. So now you've switched. What is the equipment that you now just can't live without? Um, I don't know if I'm there yet, to be honest. Um, I'm noticing a couple of things that are quite interesting. I think down to the actual quality of the lens. Um, with the Fuji, I'm, I'm madly in love with the 16 1.4. Um, so sharp, such a cool, um, just such a cool lens to use. Um, but it's a 24 mil equivalent and I wasn't really big on 24 mil when I was on full frame. So it's unusual for me to want to go that wide. Um, whereas normally I'd want to be at that sort of 35 mil equivalent. Yeah. I've actually not used that as much. Yeah. And I have been drawn towards the 50 mil equivalent which I really didn't like when I was on full frame. I would, I would go quite a long way to, to avoid a 50 mil. Yeah. You've kind of done the opposite. Me and you yeah. kind of switch roles in that Absolutely, sense. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think as far as like things being like, I couldn't live without them. It's just, it's not the case. I, I think earlier this year, it's, it's funny, like until I switched to Fuji, I didn't think I was going to switch to Fuji. Yeah. Like it literally was the day I switched. I was like, oh shit, this is happening. Um, I think I came home from work and you were like, yep, Canon stuff gone. Ex- literally what happened, no, no, no. What Literally what happened was you came home from work and I still had some of the Canon stuff, but you came home from work and I said, just so you know, I've switched to Fuji. And you hadn't even like put your keys down or anything like that. <laughs> That's like, oh, okay. I, I'm not good at breaking news, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, no, it's, it's, you know what? In a year's time, I might switch to Sony. I might switch to Ew. Pentax. I might switch to Hasselblad. You know, we don't know. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's about using it's the kind ca- of what, what what you're enjoying doing, what what makes you happy. And the thing <clears> is, as well, is if you don't try a bunch of this stuff, how are you going to know what suits you best? Well, then on the like on the subject of just being incredibly on PC for the you know for the sake of having no one like me at the end of this, I've always said they're all made by the same kids in a factory in the Far East. Yeah. You know, they're not. They're not made by like my grandmother lovingly next to a fire. She doesn't knit me a camera. So this idea yeah. of like you have to be so loyal to a brand or to, it's just, <coughs> excuse me, it's it's just so ridiculous to me. I don't know why, I don't know why brand loyalty is such a thing. I think it's just tribalism yeah. for, for capitalists, I guess. Yeah. Um, But I don't have that, that brand loyalty. I mean, there, there are pieces of equipment I have used that, I have enjoyed using them so much. They have pumped so much chemical out of my brain when I've used them. Like so much. I don't, is it? What is it? It's not serotonin, is it? Serotonin? Mm-hmm. Whatever. They've pumped so much endorphins. Whatever. They've made me feel so good when I've used them. Like I've enjoyed the use of them and the end product it's a release so of endo- much. It's a release of endorphins. Right. That's what you're getting. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's all it comes down to is just that piece of equipment did that thing. I mean, the 135 that I still have is broken. Yeah, the focus is broken. It's missing screws. It's beaten up. <laughs> it looks like someone's wiped their nose on it. It's just not in a good place at all. But that lens in particular, that piece of equipment is like, you know, you know, like jar heads. It's like my rifle. You know, yeah. for a long time, I got a lot of kills with that. And you, yeah. know, you have a bit, I have a bit of affinity with that particular piece of glass, yeah. not the brand. Yeah. You know, Canon's doing some fucking stupid stuff at the moment. Yeah. And it's almost like Canon and Nikon are on a race to the bottom. Yeah. Um, And that's a shame. Mm. But 
it doesn't mean I don't like that lens all of a sudden. I'm not going to pretend that I never liked Canon or anything stupid like that. Yeah. And I also abhorrently can't stand when people tell other people what they should be using. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if like your, your, your love of Sony, you love it for the exact same reason I don't, but yeah. that works for you. And I can't be bothered to spend my life trying to convince people they should like something that they don't. No, because to be honest with you, you're a dick if you do that. Not you personally, but well, I would be a dick you, if you're I did a dick that, if but you do I've that. got other stuff going on. I've got a dog. <laughs> okay. So let's sidestep equipment. Yep. Right. <clears throat> Your photographic inspirations mm-hmm. from day one yep. have changed to yeah. what they are today. Absolutely. Um, And I can see over the course of the years why they've changed and how they've changed. So tell me what you what why you're inspired by what you're inspired now and like what just the happy stuff like when you look at an image by a particular photographer what is it now that makes you go god I want to I can't wait to go photograph my next wedding or I can't wait to photograph my next model shoot you know what is it that just kind of releases those endorphins <laughs> I wish I hadn't said that now um it's done but I started off my first the the video there was a video on YouTube that was the reason I kind of started portrait photography at all and it was um for the sake of this being on YouTube if you're listening to this on YouTube I'll put a link in uh, the description of this particular video it's a video by um, Emily Soto who for the longest time was was the baby Jesus to me that was that was the pinnacle that was who I was mad in love with and I still absolutely love her work. Um, she's changed quite significantly over the years and I'm definitely more of a fan of her older stuff, um, which is, I'm pretty sure is the most old thing you can say. Like I prefer their older stuff. <laughs> um, but it was, there was some, she had some gorgeous images. Yeah. There. And, and she oh, was lovely, but she was out of fashion when she was doing stuff that, and I've always liked that. I've always liked people that don't just do stuff because, you know, they're chasing trends. She, she mm. had, she was a bit of a trendsetter, I guess, in that she kind of was part of that movement of bringing like backlit 70s styled floaty feminine portraiture forwards. Yeah. Everything was kind of was all pretty. Yeah. Was, and that was, that was it. It was pretty. And and it was so pleasing. Like you looked at one of her images and it made you smile. I, one of the things I loved the most about Emily Soto, we really have not talked about this kind of stuff, but one of the things I loved the most about her work was that you didn't have to be a photographer to like it. I think that's something you get lost in when mm. you be- when you become a photographer, when you work and you're always looking at work and you're always editing and, you know, you're kind of pixel peeping and you're checking the EXIF data on stuff. You kind of forget what it's yeah. like to just absorb an image for its intention. So exactly what I say after you studied um, music mm-hmm. theory and stuff like that and you pick apart, pick apart a song mm-hmm. um, so much and I'm just like, just listen to the song. Like, yeah, that's true. Don't, don't pick it apart because you're racking your brain over something you don't well, when need you're, to. And- you're trained to... The, well, one of the problems, real tangent, but one of the problems of music is that there's only 12 words. You know, you've got 12 notes. So everything is about how they relate to each other. It's not about the actual note. It's just about the intervals more than anything. And there's not really much left to do with music. Yeah. We've kind of done everything with it. We, that's why we've just started to add fucking noises yeah. that aren't even musical now, just for the sake of making something a bit different. Yeah. Um, pretty soon I think we're going to hit a point where everyone realizes, yeah, that's kind of it with music. We've hit, we've hit a point. 
and we should start treating all music the way that blues fans have treated the blues, which is like, yeah, we've heard it before, but we like it. Yeah. Like we don't have to criticize it for not being new because there's not going to be any new soon. Yeah. Um, with photography, I think the problem is that photography breaks down into two sides. Really, one side is technical and most people focus on that. And when it comes to um, just enjoying an image, if you're paying any attention to the technical, you're not enjoying the image. And yeah. that's been hard for me. Yeah. But you're right, though. Emily Soto stuff, you can just look at it and you don't have to break it down. It's just it's they're pleasing images. Well, I feel like I could show it to my mom or I could show it to a random person and they would say, oh, that's really pretty that's a pretty girl or that's yeah. a that's a really pretty photo or whatever yeah and it wouldn't be like what lens was used you know like i don't i don't feel like she invites the technical person to care yeah um i guess would be the way i would say it yeah um that's kind of evolved and over the last five years i guess i mean i remember having a conversation with jeff tolniemi and he sort of put me on to some really interesting Fashion photographers and fashion photography is interesting, but not that interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fascinated by the way they can pull certain moods out of images and um, how they trick you with bad photos. Quite yeah. often, they they use bad technique to stand out from all of the people that are chasing good technique. I guess would be the way I'd say it. Um, you know, he put me onto like I think it's Koa Bui. This is the way it's pronounced. A Vietnamese guy i think he's in california now um very cool fashion photographer jeff himself jeff tonyam he's a really really cool fashion photographer um and like from there i chased on to like julia kosmenko who's an amazing beauty photographer and again it's maybe not something i would do but i can really appreciate it yeah and you know you wind around you find this person you find that person and at the moment that person seems to be Agatha surge and it has been for about two years um, every time she puts an image out, I'm in love with it. Um, you know, wish that I could produce work. What is it about her work that makes you feel like that? <sighs> One of the things is what I was talking about with like the idea of how women should look, you know, like this kind of every, every model seems to want to look like everyone else. And she tends to photograph models in quite a raw way, quite a stripped back makeup. Um, you know, it's not massively overproduced. It's usually like one light. Um, for the sake of technicalities, it's like a 40 to 50 mil range with the lens, which is quite unusual for headshots, especially. Um, but she still manages to make it pretty. So you can tell that she understands her intangibles when it comes to like shooting high and feel and emotion and expression. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I, th I just think sometimes you have to stop breaking down what you like and realize that some stuff just stops you in your tracks and you should just enjoy that. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing is that every time she puts an image out, I'm, I'm, I love it. She oh, has a lot really of the cool. qualities of Peter Coulson. Yeah. Where like a lot of people could do what he does. Yeah. But he's doing it. Yeah. And also you can, you can tell when people are inspired. I've seen people who are inspired by Peter Coulson yeah. and try and emulate his work and things like that. And they oh, try yeah. and pull the same mood and stuff. And you think, oh, you've done a good job, but you can just tell. Yeah. And you just know when it is a Peter Coulson image. You there's, can tell, yeah. You, you know when it's else. his. Yeah. There yeah. is just something else about it 
that you could get a, a prettier model, a nicer background, a more expensive camera, but you can't do what Peter Coulson does. Yeah, there's something about it, isn't yeah, it? It's so, the person behind it. Yeah. The most important part of the camera is the squishy bit standing behind it. <laughs> yeah, because you can feel that mood through them. You can feel what the photographer was feeling and what they what they wanted as they took that picture. Oh yeah. So I really like that. I, I'm, I think I'm, you can quite often tell if you follow a person's work for a long time and you look at the expressions of models or subjects in general, um, unless they have a, a bit of a quota on what they're supposed to be producing, you can probably tell the mood of the photographer based on the mood of the people they're photographing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know? There's um, that photographer. Oh, he's Russian, I think. I have him on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, always shoots, or it's always window light to what's my left Sean of the Archer. frame. Sean Archer. Yeah. Um, he's not called Sean Archer, obviously, but. Yes. But Sean his, Archer. yeah. But uh, I mean, he's very, very popular. His work is, I love his work. He's another one I've seen, like Irene Rudnick and a few others, like rip off. Yeah. And they can't. And you, you can't. Just, it's no. just, he has a certain way of doing things. He has access to certain types of models that are just different from the ones you have access to. And and he, the way <clears> he photo, I mean, he primarily photographs women. I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever heard someone say the word primarily so badly before. It sounded primarily. like you said like primarily. Primarily. <laughs> primarily. Yeah. He, he only shoots women. I don't think I've ever seen a I think male. I, was, I, I think once in the blue moon. Yeah, and it's like a I fitness model or something. I think. Oh, but. okay. But he he photographs women, and they his images are beautiful. He's got beautiful backdrops. The light is stunning. Yeah. Um, and the the light, the how it contours the model. Yeah. Um, and cuts them out from the background and stuff. And his editing is really, really, really nice. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. I mean, I've never seen a raw image of his and then compared it to an edited one. So I don't know how much editing has gone into it, but it doesn't look like, it's like he's done the bare minimal to it because they're so, they're, well, th- they're, I, they look so natural, you know? I, no, I think it's done more than you realise. I just think it's done well. I think you can, you can push the envelope a bit more, but you have to be good at doing it. Yeah. You know, there, I think he's well, one, one of those- thing I'd say with Sean Archer and, 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 um, like your enjoyment of Sean Archer and his work and stuff. And I'm certainly a fan, not a huge fan, um, but I'm certainly, there's a photographer I've tried to say his name in the past. And it's, it's like George I Chenyadyev. I can never say it properly. Who at the moment is being ripped off left, right and center. Um, Especially here in England, people are ripping off his work left, right and center. Um, And there's a difference in inspiration this is one thing that I think people get confused with and it's the reason why they end up with a really muddled portfolio is that you can be inspired by something and enjoy it without having to emulate it. That's, you know, one of the things that I follow a lot of street photography accounts, I follow a lot of travel photography accounts and I follow a hell of a lot of food photography accounts. Mm. But I don't feel the need to incorporate everything I see into everything I do because if you do that, you're always just chasing something else. And sometimes things just don't mash together. Yeah. Now, we're all an amalgamation of all the things we like, but at the end of the day, some things just don't mash together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking as you were talking about, that, I was actually just thinking about Joni Simon, the bite shot. Is that her name? Joni Simon. Okay. Yeah. I really hope I've pronounced that correctly. Yeah, I'm correct. pretty sure that's. Yeah. Joni Simon. I can't imagine it's hard to pronounce. But... No, but the bite shot is what she is on Instagram yeah, and, and, and the that YouTube. Was... 
she's a fantastic YouTuber and really cool. I mean, you know, love her accent and she's... Her accent is epic. Yeah. But i tell you what else I love about... I mean, I'll get to her work in a second, but I love her enthusiasm. Oh yeah, she's positive so... So positive, so happy. When, you know, when you click onto one of her videos, you instantly feel like, God, I'm going to enjoy this video. Even if it's, and I'm not really a gear type of girl. Well, it's shaking bacon. I love it when she says that. <laughs> but, you know, even when she's talking about her gear, because she's done a few of those videos, yeah. um, I'm just like, oh my God, this is, this makes me want this gear. And I don't even give a shit about the gear. Yeah. Because she's so positive, yeah. so enthusiastic. I do get the impression with her for definite. One thing I do get the impression of is that I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of her. I reckon she kicks some fucking ass. Oh, hell yes. Anyone that's like that positive, it's all confidence. And if they're confident, it means they're fucking dangerous. Yeah. But I, yeah, but she's, she's a cool girl though. She's, she is, she's got some too. great work. Her work is, her work is beautiful. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and that, I mean, that's been one of my inspirations, her work. I've yeah. managed to incorporate her food photography and lay flats into mine. I just, I absolutely love it. So yeah. it's, it's nice when you get someone that you're inspired by and your inspiration changes over the course of your professional career, it's, it's actually really nice because it shows an evolution mm -hmm. in what you're liking, but also shows an evolution in your own work. So I think it's really cool. I will explain and we're not going to go on this tangent, but we, as in me and you, just for people listening, refer to flat lays as lay flats. Oh, yes. We say it the other way around. <clears throat> we always have done. I think anyone that's in a long-term relationship probably has a few things that they say wrong <laughs> and you both say it wrong and you just kind of co-depend on each other to say it wrong. For how many years do we call aviators navigators? Right? All the time. So it's just one of those things. It's yeah. just, it almost becomes like an inside joke. We you have could, our you own could language. correct it, but you're not going to. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Okay. No, no, that's <clears> cool. So, right. This... Relatively quick. So your thoughts on portraiture versus weddings as a professional career, both of them, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on them? Portraitures, weddings. I don't know if I could work entirely in portraiture. Um, the, the, what I, one of the things I love the most about weddings is the fact that there isn't such a thing as a wedding photographer. Mm -hmm. um, and you get to kind of offset the parts of the day that you don't enjoy by being a different photographer for the other parts. You know, I really enjoy photographing details that's something i really enjoy doing um i enjoy bride prep quite a bit because it's about getting to know people and kind of learning dynamics it's a bit of a people game yeah um a couple photos I, I i enjoy those um most of the time i enjoy those sometimes you get couples that don't click with each other which mm. sounds silly because it's at a wedding but when there's a camera involved and there's a third person it can create an awkwardness and attention yeah. that no matter how hard you, you know, you work to, you can't always sort of defer that and, and make them feel comfortable as hard as you can possibly try. There are just some people that are just far too aware of you. Um, but there are parts of the day that I don't enjoy and it depends on the wedding. It depends on how long I've been doing it that year. And there's, you know, certain parts that wear down on me. And I think everybody that if they were honest would say that there are parts of um, wedding photography that they've, if they're a wedding photographer, there are parts of their job that they don't enjoy. Yeah. Um, but you get to offset that by, um, focusing on the stuff that you do enjoy and experimenting with that. And, um, that side of it, I really enjoy. If I was just doing portraits, I think you'd hit a run where you just had like three or four sessions in a row where either things didn't go right or you didn't click or whatever. 
and then it becomes it becomes a job not a career and then it becomes a problem do you think um, if you were doing portraiture more often or or maybe that instead of weddings do you think that after say 10 15 shoots or whatever or maybe even less that it just repeats itself yeah like I think you, think you become stale i think you become cookie cutter and i, I don't think that's even a, a particularly controversial thing to say i look around um at people i know that do portraiture for a living and they do like family portraiture or they whatever and they tend to just kind of go through the motions and it's just the same thing over and over again and there's nothing wrong with that in 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 generalities there's nothing wrong with that but it's hardly exciting and it's not something that would make me want to get out of bed every day and you know have to work for myself and have to go through months where you don't have much money and go for other months where the money's suddenly flowing like mad and yeah um i think for for the sake of being self-employed and the lack of security you have which is a very underrated part of it um you know you, you go without sick days you go without um you can't fob off something because you don't want to do it you have to be there you know yeah. that's that's hard um and if the job wasn't particularly inviting you know, and it was like just a constant stream of doing the same thing. I think I'd just get an office job. Yeah. Or I'd become a cleaner or something. Yeah. So you quite like, you like where it is where you've got a bit of a balance of both. Mm. And it's something that you, you probably, you're going to keep that balance for a little while, definitely at least. Yeah. And you can take what you learn from one into the other one. And, you know, I can try out jokes on portrait sessions and then, you know, see how they're received and and then see if they would work when I'm, talking to 60 people at a wedding or whatever. Actually, you test yourself out on the model. I come home, you then trial run really it with me. I really don't like that sentence by any stretch of the imagination. Actually, you test yourself out on the model is a horrendous sentence. Oh God, everybody, how, how do people read things into, <clears throat> yeah, no, that's what I meant. You test your jokes I I, out on a model. Yeah. I come home mm -hmm. and then you trial that joke with me to see how it goes. You're like, will it work for a wedding? Ah. I think there's been a few times where I've tried a, a joke out at, a wedding for the first time. <laughs> yes. And probably shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> I'm still proud of the fact that I've got like the moth joke, which I tell when you've got a full group and someone wants to go to the toilet and you've got to kill a couple minutes. But I have a joke that I can make last 25 minutes if I need to. This is true, yeah. Like I think that's quite clever to have that in the pocket. And it's worked. I mean, we did a wedding in Brighton last year and... We had like, I, I believe there was like a, either a disabled or I think it was a disabled person went, needed like to go and go to the toilet yeah, and they needed some right. assistance and so on. And it was quite a length of time. We just got everyone lined up and then they needed to go. Yeah. And it was like, okay, so I've got to keep all these people entertained. And, you know, for, especially as an introvert, it's very hard to talk to 70 people for a particularly long amount of time. So it's always nice to have stuff in the bag that you know at least is going to be a bit funny. Yeah. I mean, we've had some jokes that have just fallen flat on their face. Like, then, oh, okay, that one didn't work. Right, well, we'll just move on then, guys. Yeah. Oh, we've had a couple where I haven't even had a chance to talk before, you know, someone's decided that they've got a better punchline or they've got, to, they've got to try and be funny or they've got to try and have a go at me and you lose the group a little bit. But that's that's the nature of the game and you just, you know... You just reset and you go on to the next one. Yeah. It's good to have something in the pocket for when you need it. <laughs> You're going to need some new ones for 2020, you know? Yeah. The problem is, is when you do a wedding and there's people at that wedding whose wedding you photographed. And it's like, I can't use the same jokes because there's literally two people here that know these jokes. Yeah. 
And then, so you've really, you've really got to be on your game then. I'll be honest with you. I just go, eh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, you don't. You always have something day. else. <laughs> I, I, I try and always have something else. The worst is, um, my, I think one of my goals for 2020 is to try and work an Anthony Jeselnik joke into a wedding. Which is going to be really hard. Is that that guy on Netflix that you made me listen to that you yes. said is quite harsh? Yes. And He's yeah. the, okay, so one of his jokes, one of my favourites of his jokes was him saying, oh, when I was a teenager, you know, I'd, I'd beg and beg and beg for a motorbike and my mum would say, no, you can't have a motorbike. You know, And I, I was so desperate to get a motorbike and my mum said, you can't have a motorbike. And then one day my uncle died in a motorbike accident. So my mum said I could have his bike. Dude. <laughs> and I like, I'm not no. saying that joke, but I definitely that want, kind of joke. <laughs> I want to try and work something like that in. I think it's a challenge, you know, it's, it's the right type of wedding. Let's put it that way. There are some weddings where you can get away with certain things. This is true. You have to, you have to test the waters first. Yeah. The last wedding was great for Arab jokes. We got a lot of Arab jokes in. I don't understand how you've managed to fit so many Arab jokes into so many weddings. It's been a long process. And you should see the look on those brides' faces. Some of them are like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that to you. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get him back later. Don't worry. It doesn't sound as bad as what you're making it sound. Like on the day, it's it's generally received well. And what a lot of people lose and, and don't realise. It is generally received well. But what a lot of people don't realise is when you make a joke that makes, like if I make a joke that makes me look like a dick, that can be helpful. Yeah. There can be times where it's helpful for me to make me, like one of the things that I find amazing is is the amount of people that think that a good joke is when they are horrible to someone else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're shocked when people don't see the value of, of their amazing, amazingness. Whereas if you, if you can bring yourself down, especially if you are one person speaking to 60, you can look like you think you're quite self-important. Yeah. So if you can make a joke that brings you down quite often, that's helpful, especially with keeping people on side and, yeah, you know, people can then, you know, you get the odd guy that's had a couple of drinks and then he comes over and he's got an extra punchline for how much of a twat you are. And you kind of like, yeah, you know what, if it keeps you on side, I'll take that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So it's, it's an underestimated part of, of the job is just sometimes being able to, um, not make yourself look good yeah. for the sake of keeping a group together. I've actually found that, especially when we're doing couple photos, that couples, love it when me and you banter with each other and when we're taking yeah. the piss um well you say that but last year you got annoyed at me about it we had a conversation did, about yeah. it and you were like i don't know why you need to keep saying certain things and i said to you look at the end of the day it doesn't matter what i say at a wedding to you mm. because it's not real yeah you know we're caricatures on the day you know how i actually feel about you i've said lovely things about you yeah um but if it keeps people from focusing on their own insecurity, if it keeps people from focusing on their own awkwardness and it makes them sort of have fun and you can get a laugh out of them and I can photograph that laugh, then, then that's it. what matters. The mm. most, it's, you know, at the end of the day, if I was doing videography, I think I'd be completely boned because you wouldn't be able to have any audio of anything that I was saying at any point. But there are photos that I've got where people are like, oh my God, they're so in love. It's so romantic. And it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't really want to know what was being said at the time, but yeah. they do look like they're in love in the picture, so it's fine. Yeah. You know, that's the most important thing. Yeah. 
the funny thing for me is when we do have a videographer there and they've got a mic and I have like about a 50 millisecond moment where I go, I can't do what I normally do. And then I just do it anyway. And yeah. it's just their problem. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things that's quite frustrating as a wedding photographer is the amount of work you do for other people. Yeah. You know, you set stuff up for videographers to make themselves look good. And you don't get a thank you 90% of the time. You don't get any help out of them. Yeah. You know, we've had some, we've, you know, we've had well, a couple really good videographers, but we know I've had a lot of dicks. Yeah. I can actually count four videographers, three we've had this year, <laughs> that have been very nice. And, and this is just my opinion, but can actually video a wedding and yeah. actually produce really nice stuff afterwards. And then one a couple years back who was sort of brand new. It was like, I think his second wedding. He was very young. Oh, this was in Milton Keynes, right? Oh, yeah. Bedfordshire way. Yeah. Yeah, he was um, lovely. Really lovely guy. You know, do you know why he was lovely? Because he didn't act like he knew it all. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he, he would ask questions and if you had a question, he would answer you. You know, most of the time conversations, I, I think this might be a male thing, but most of the time the conversations you have between Men, it's just, they're trying to seem like they're the best at what they do. And you're just not. If you're amazing at what you do, you're not talking to me. And if yeah. I'm amazing at what I do, I'm not talking to you. Yeah. Like I'd be photographing Prince Harry's wedding. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you can be brilliant at what you do. You know, you could be very good. You could be whatever, but you're not like above a human being. Yeah. So just settle down, wind your neck in. Talk like an adult. And if you need some help with something, ask. And if you can offer help, then offer it. Yeah. One of the things that bugs me the most is like posing couples. It's taken a long time to develop a way that I pose couples. And then you have people that either interrupt to take over and then don't know what to do. And it's like, cool, you just killed the flow. You know, you've killed the option for me to get anything out of this. You've just absolutely destroyed it mm. for the sake of you feeling like a big one because you stepped in and made sure that we all know you're still there. Yeah. If you want to, if you, you know, I always give the option. I always like, well, how do you want to do this? Do you want to interchange? Do you want me to, to run it? Do you want to run it? It's not like I take over. Yeah. But you know, like the worst I think we had was Wazing Park. We've had a few terrible mm. ones, but I think one of the, Oh, I don't know. It's actually quite a tough one. Wazing Park was bad because she was just so inept as a human being. She was incredible. It was her mannerisms. She was one of the rudest people I've ever met. Yeah. Ever. And I went to one of the most disgusting schools I can think of. And, you know, no one was nice to each other. And we were all nicer to each other than she was to like you and me. Yeah. You know, she's the only woman I've ever sworn at. At a wedding. Yeah. You know, where she was so rude to you. And I was so angry. And I just... You know, I, I had a private word, but it weren't a polite one. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, clicking at people and telling people that they have to get out of her way. You know, what happened, one of the things that set this off, I mean, she'd already pissed us off all the way through the ceremony, which is a story unto itself, but was we get 100, it was 105 people, if I remember exactly, yeah. because of the amount of people who could fit in the church. Yeah. And you got 105 people in a very windy, not particularly great weather day lined up for confetti in like no time. You did brilliantly, which you generally do. It's like a standard. And she said to you, as I was getting the couple ready to come through, she didn't come and talk to me, despite the fact that I was the photographer, I was with the couple. 
she said to you that basically I need to get out of the way so that I don't show up in her video because she wanted to plonk a tripod down and yeah. that it was my job to work around her. Yeah. And the way she said it to you and the things that she said, I don't think they bear repeating, but it wasn't polite. Yeah. And I, you told me about this. I had a go at her, came you, and told you, you. you. Yeah, you, you, you put your piece in, you come and told me. And I, I said to her, what's the problem? And she said, oh, I don't want you guys showing up in my video. I said, okay, so why didn't you set up the confetti line then? How you wanted it? And she's like, well, you were already doing it. I was like, so we're doing it my way then. Exactly. So I guess it's your problem at this point. If you want to be polite, if you want to come to me and say, look, is there any chance you could shoot long so that we can both get this? I don't want to walk because I'm lazy and I don't own any actual professional equipment. <laughs> All I know how to do is stick a tripod down and point it at a thing. And I call myself a videographer, even though there's nothing artistic about that at all. Yeah. If you come and talk to me and, and say, look, is it okay if I tripod this? Fine. Yeah. But when yeah. you talk, when you talk to my wife, especially, but when you talk to us, like we owe you something. Like we're there to work for you. You like with all the will in the world, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I think we need to talk about something positive, otherwise I'm just gonna keep going negative. <laughs> it's my nature. No, it's not your nature. It's not your nature at all. Okay, so right, I want you to tell me mm -hmm. three good things about camera clubs. Well, this is not the day. Um three. Three. Uh, they're generally local. The memberships aren't exorbitant. And there's usually quite a lot of parking outside. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> Is that three positive things? I will take it. <laughs> so I'll tell you something. Um, I had a thought yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get my mum, I'm, I'm going to try and get my mum to come and do a podcast after her experiences with the camera club that she was at. I want to try and get her in to come and do a podcast. What I'd say Chica is... Chica will need to be on her lap. Yeah, I, I think... Um, oh, hello, baby. I think um, I think it would be a very interesting chat. Because mm. she went through some stuff, especially back when, you know, open sexism was still currently... Uh, was still a, a, a sadly common event. Yeah. As opposed to now, where how someone sits on a train is sexist. Yeah you know, stupid shit like that. Um, she actually suffered I, I, from what I, I remember of the story. She told me, we haven't talked about this for years, but you know, being talked down to and kind of ignored and brushed to one side because she wasn't in with the clique and yeah. you know, the big boys that run it and all of that stuff. I, I can't remember all the stories. So it'd be a fascinating discussion because I'll relearn a lot of stuff. Um, and obviously she had the dark room in our garden shed and you know, she, she was, she was into it for quite a while. So it'd be quite an interesting conversation. Um, but you know, I joined this camera club back in September with the intention of not judging something before I've sort of walked a mile in its shoes, mm -hmm. so to speak. And as sad as it is to admit, I am starting to get the impression that the stereotype about camera clubs being very clicky. Um, I'm sure people can probably read between the lines when I say very dusty. Yes. In the sense of it being sort of, well, this is the way it's always been. You yeah. Know, we don't we don't need to we don't need to do anything different. Um you know, last week there was a a talk. Uh, not last week, two weeks ago there was a talk and one of the things that was brought up was that we all remember where we were during the moon landing. 
I'm 31. You know, I'm like... You weren't even thought about. I think I was 21 years off being born. Yeah. Um, Or no, 19 years off being born. So, you know, it's just... it. The mentality seems to be that you are only allowed to be under 50 if you're in the in the club yeah if you're in the in the in the club not in the camera club but you're in the club i suppose it would be interesting to speak to people from other camera clubs because obviously your experience and your your assumptions about it before you got to that before you became a camera club member have now they've been proven to be true in some respect. Well, I wouldn't so say they've been be- proven to be true, but I am starting to observe things. You know, I went tonight, I left halfway through. Um, I offered to do something tonight. It was shut down fairly quickly. Um, you know, they have a portrait special interest group. Whilst I don't particularly want to be doing p- portraits with this club, um, that's not the main thing I want to be doing. I've asked on two separate, uh, three separate occasions for that information and not been given it. Yeah. Um, you know, you're kind of, uh, I think you'd be daft if you relied on the river for your fishing. When the tide is high, or not river, you know what I mean? You know, know when, when, know when the water's mean, yeah. high, when there's a lot of water, when there's a lot of fish, to say, well, we don't want those fish. We yeah. only want certain types of fish. And then starve when the water disappears and when when times aren't as prevalent. And I think it appears to me that right now that camera club is particularly well stocked with people. Mm-hmm. And unless there are marked changes in medical technology, they're not going to be members in 30 years. Yeah. And, you know, what's next? There's myself, there's someone in there who's done this podcast, Jack, who's six years, five years younger than me. I can't Mm. remember. And he's an afterthought because he's not, you know, grandfathered in, for want of a better term. You know, it's, I don't know. I'd I'd just like to see it be a more accepting place. I'd like to perhaps just see a younger camera club. Um, Not because I think younger people know it all, but because I think that I, I think I've seen more young people want to help others learn than I have older people Mm. in this kind of setting. That's the one thing I would say. So then that, so then maybe that's something that I'm not saying you specifically, but maybe that's something that you need to do to- I don't think so I think the internet the in, the way the internet is people aren't going to aren't going to frequent social events when they could be online that's the main problem and when you have like we had an event tonight where it was a particular type of shooting I'm not going to go into it because there's no point in going into it the, the details are completely unimportant but when you have a situation where you have a a fairly decent number of people that either know nothing about that subject or are extremely new to photography, no one's giving out information. Yeah. No one's 
there is, you know, there's, I think there's like 12, 16 committee members at this camera club. It makes up about 18 to 20% of the total number of people that could even turn up. Not that they all even turn up. Yeah. You know, so there are a significant percentage of the people in there, but no one's, you know, kind of grabbing the ball by the horns and, yeah, and you know, just filling in some information. You know, if people want to talk about depth of field and how they could how they could increase or decrease it, it's it's good for us to understand, you know, the different reproduction sizes as well as the focal lengths, as well as your distance to subject, as well as your aperture. Not just there's a thing, photograph the thing. Yeah. And when it doesn't work, go, oh, sorry, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. But what's yeah. the purpose of that as a club? That's, I think I'm expecting it to be like a, a constant ongoing workshop. And what it actually is, is a social meetup. Yeah. Um, Where you have to already be a member of the clique. Yeah. That's, you know, I probably sound like I'm being quite harsh. Um, but I, I genuinely but, but want... those are just your feelings towards I it. I genuinely want to enjoy it. I genuinely... I've paid money. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I've I've turned up for one and I'm just criticising everybody. I, I have made a point of extending an olive branch on several occasions to a moderately polite sort of brush off. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm a skinhead. Maybe it's because I don't look like the kind of person that should be going there. I don't know. Maybe it's because I use four letter words. Yeah. I don't use them in a camera club, but maybe whatever. Yeah. It could be any number of reasons. Um, you know, it, the, the problem could entirely be me and I just don't get it. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't think is going to be gotten by people in the future. And these, some of these institutions are a hundred years old. Yeah. And I don't see an enormous wave of young people coming in. And the ones that I have seen and young is an understate is, is an overstatement when it comes to me. I'm not young. But I don't see an enormous wave of young people coming in and the ones that are coming in aren't exactly, you know, welcomed, uh, as Scott Stapp would say, with arms wide open. It's not, it doesn't appear to be um, about like kicking them out. It's just about not letting them in. Yeah. I mean, one of the positives from the camera club that I can see for you is that you um, were introduced to that um, astronomy photographer. Yeah. Uh, I'm really sorry. I cannot remember his name. It's Alan Wallace. There we I go. Um, I might've got that wrong. But you then f uh, showed me his YouTube channel. Um, yeah. He's got uh, some really cool work and he's been uh, to some so fascinating it's, um, places. It's, uh, oh, it's really cool that um, you've been able to be introduced to something like that. So I take that as that's, that's a nice thing to come But from. I have a YouTube premium account. Yeah. And I have, in fact, Google just gave me a present for the amount of time I've been a member or something. Yeah. Um, I don't need to pay 30 quid a year to find one YouTuber that I might like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm on YouTube a lot. Yes. There's a pretty good chance I'll find people. You will find them eventually. You know, yeah. You know, when I, when I took an interest in Fuji, all of a sudden I found like 300 YouTubers that would all, that were all using Fuji. So I don't know if I'd see that as, as much of a positive. I, my main problem is I'm I'm old. Mentally, I'm old. I always have been. I've never been one really good at hanging around with people my own age. Yeah. And I get the impression that I am judged based on my external appearance. Mm. I mean, it was said, there was a comment tonight that there's the potential that people might not like the fact that I would call myself a professional photographer. Yeah. Now, the problem being, I am a professional photographer. Whether you like it, whether you, whether you right now you know, scoff at me saying that, deal with it. I've paid my taxes for the last five years. 
Um, I've been working nonstop for the last five years. I've got two years booked out in the diary. I do this as a job. I pick yeah. up a camera, I take pictures and people pay me to take pictures. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And that potentially that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but then, I, I mean, that is something that's still quite prevalent across lots of industries. I mean, I am still very, very young for a home manager. Very young. Because most people expect home managers. For people managers, that don't know a home manager is someone who works in care. Yeah, I was about to explain that. Um, most home managers who work in care homes are 50s, 60s, you know. They're, yeah, and you, they you, there's a certain level of like older. you're there, like you inherited it or it's part of the family business or something stupid like that. When the truth is you're there because you're good enough to do the job and yeah. age is literally a number. It doesn't actually yeah. mean shit. I mean, I was very, very young when I, when I got it. Um, but even now, sort of six, seven years on, I'm still young-ish for it. And people, people that are outside of the industry look at me and you can tell when I introduce myself, they're looking at me like, no, you're not, you're not the one that's in charge. And they get that preconception about me. And it's, it's the same in all industries. You're not ready. You're not at that age where you have the experience enough to be a professional in that field. Yeah. Which is know? fine. If I was, it, do you know, what, if I was lauding it, if I was like walking in every week with like one of those dickhead polo shirts with my name on it, that like has my <laughs> phone number, you know, like DJs are at weddings or whatever. If I was doing that, then fine. If I was bringing it up constantly, then fine. The the one person there that week on week on week has made a point of seeking me out to sit next to me mm-hmm. brings it up. Yeah. And all he brings up is, are you shooting any weddings this week? That's what he says every week. Yeah. And I'll answer it. Yeah. No, yes, I've got two or whatever. It's not like I go in and I'm like, what's up, bitches? who's got two thumbs what's got two thumbs and makes money taking pictures me motherfucker i don't go in like that i go in i listen to the people talking i ask questions i'm fascinated by like the the way judges interpret things and yeah. i'm actually fascinated just by how people interpret things i think we talk about judges at camera clubs like they're like they're a separate entity and they're not they're just a person um but i genuinely don't want to not enjoy it Hmm. That's that's a really important point. I joined this to socialize, to meet new people, to get to know the area. And because I want to improve on a couple of areas of photography that I don't actually do very often. Yeah. And so far, it just feels like maybe I'm not welcome. That's mm-hmm. a little bit of the feeling I'm getting. But yeah. once again, we've managed to turn this into a negative. And I really wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really be positive. I was like, tell me three good things. It's my superpower. Just, I can turn anything into it. a negative. Oh, you stop it. Right. I want your goals for 2020. I want... Positive. Three positive <laughs> goals for 2020. The second you dip to negative, I'm going to kick you under the table. Okay. Um, I would like, I definitely want to expand on my vocabulary of, of couple portraiture in terms of like their posing and stuff. Yeah. Um, right now I feel like we've, we've got a decent small cycle that we can work through. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely like to improve sort of the vastness of what we can do with a bride and groom. Um, street photography is a big thing for me this year. I don't know if you said this has to be specific to weddings. No, no, it's not specific to weddings, just for you. Um, I would like to at least put together something of a portfolio of street photography for nothing other than myself. Um, oh, okay. Starting with, we, we'll be in Washington and New York. Um, and then um, wherever you tell us we're going later on in the year, we'll be there and I'll try and do a similar sort of thing. Um, that would be great to sort of build up something of a portfolio 
Yeah. I'm terrible at it at the moment, but I would definitely like to work hard to get better at it. And then thirdly, um, Jesus. Put you on the spot, didn't I? Mm, I don't know if I have three. I th- <sighs> You're just going to make one up now. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> probably, do you know what? Probably to do a little bit more in the way of uh, like themed shoots or stylized shoots when it comes to portraiture. I'll tell you one thing I'd love to do a little bit of, and now people can do it and say they had the idea, um, but is to do some stuff that's kind of inspired by um, film. As in? By like movies. As in, oh, okay. Yeah, but maybe not like, you know, like put some dickhead in like Joker costume and have them prance around on stairs and call myself an artist, but more, um, you know, take like the essence of what James Dean was yeah. or what Steve McQueen was and get, uh, you know, a, an old Mustang yeah, and stylize a, a model that fits the bill and kind of do a stylized shoot like that or, okay. um, you know, just that kind of thing. Sounds quite cool. Yeah, that, that would, I think that would be quite fun and, Obviously, then you've got like the chaos theory of will it come out the way you see it in your head, which it never does. And um, yeah, I, I think to probably put more into pre-production on shoots rather than people turn up and I kind of go, eh, let's see what we can make of this. Yeah. That would that would be kind of fun. Okay. I like that. Those are, those are three good goals. Yeah. We'll have to do a podcast at the end of next year and see how well you did. Oh, I don't know if I'll be alive. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Look, I've told you, you're getting to, Yeah. You're getting there. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So we're going to bring this to a close. Uh-huh. Now, I, I've got three things to say to Why you. Why is it all three? I like three for some reason tonight. Okay. It's better than foe. Okay. Three things. <laughs> three things. Yeah. Uh, it is a quick fire round. Uh-huh. Um, and Didn't realise we were doing rounds. Oh, this is this is. I've anything. missed out. You've missed out. Yeah, this is a quick fire round. Okay, so this is a quick fire round. Quick fire round. Yeah. We'll give you three things. The first two, you're going to tell me one word. Right. Okay. And the third one is one sentence. Oh, Christ. Okay. Okay. Am so, I allowed commas? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you right. saying I talk a lot? Is that is that what you're getting at here? No, no, I just think I it's... I know I talk a lot. It's, I know. It's very rude to tell the whole world that, though. No, if I, if I thought that, I'd just say it. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so, favourite model you photographed this year? Um, Apologies, this may be two words, because i got a name. I think in terms of just look, there's a, a guy from BMA called G-Day. G-Day. Yeah, yeah, and he just straight up reminded me of Lenny Kravitz, who I think is the fucking best looking man in the world. Oh, yeah, I remember the one. Yeah. yeah. So that's not one word, but G-Day. Yeah. Very cool model. Yeah, yeah. Very really cool, Really cool yeah. guy. And we we finished the shoot by watching UFC fights. Boom. And he was talking about how much you like John Jones. He's a cool guy. Very cool guy. <laughs> got, you got some beautiful images from that. Really yeah, nice yeah. images from that. Yeah. Favourite podcast? I would probably say Charlotte. And um, now I want to know why. <clears throat> Because, um, I don't know if she'll hear this, but I love her. Like genuinely as a person, I absolutely love her. I think she's a wonderful person. And I think what I love the most about Charlotte is the fact that she's basically kind of a female version of me, which is why we butted heads so much. Yeah. But she's not let horrible people change her. Yeah. She's, she's evolved as a person. She's a wonderful human being, but she hasn't let the horrible people make those decisions. She's, 
become who she is from strength, not from weakness. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think I would have the opportunity to probably talk to her again. Yeah. Um, and it was so cool to, I messaged her and just, you know, you, you're waiting to be left on scene. And I messaged her and said, you, you know, I really want to get you in. I actually said to her, I need you to be the first one Yeah. for, for this run of podcasts. You need to be number one. And um, yeah, she was, she was wonderful. She's, and we had Nando's afterwards. I mean, you can't really argue. Oh yeah, good old Nando's. I I, do, I haven't. I actually am sad that I was at work that day because I haven't seen Charlotte in so long. I can probably convince her to come back. I reckon. With Charlotte, if you're listening to this, come to ours and we will have pizza. Yeah, that was a good way. Of, <laughs> pretty much sold it already. Yeah, pretty much just bring yeah. her in based on food. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last one. This is a sentence. Even though yeah, the at the most it can be sentence. a sentence. Yeah. yeah. One change for 2020. For me. Mm-hmm. I need to go back to working with nothing but people that are far more talented than me. I always need to be the least talented person in the room and always the hardest working and things will get better. That's beautiful. I love it. And that is everything. Are you going to do the sign off? You're, you're supposed to ask me what my social medias are. Oh my God. I'm so bad at this. Yeah. So um, if you tell everyone. Where can people where, find you? Where can people find you? Uh, so on Instagram, I am at Chris Carl photography and I'm at Chris Carl weddings. If you're interested in wedding work, I have a, uh, portraiture gr- uh, page on Facebook, which is Chris Carl portraiture and Chris Carl wedding photography, I believe is the name of my, or it might just be Chris Carl weddings is the name Carl of weddings. my wedding page on Facebook. My two websites are chriscarl.com, which is where you'll find all my portraiture. Uh, you'll also find lists for workshop dates that I will be doing in 2020, um, and if you go uh, also on uh, chriscarl.com is my blog where you can read about my thoughts on only photographing male models from now on. And all of my wedding work can be found at chriscarlweddings.com. I think you're one of the few people that actually use your websites. I do you know what? That's been seriously true. Uh, the amount of people it I'm is. like, you don't have a website. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh my God, what do I say? <laughs> well, you just feel weird that you do have a website then. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you're just up there. It's all good. Anyway, well, this has been fascinating. I hope I haven't, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember much of what I've said because I've had he's a few so drinks. Drunk. Yeah, I just f- need everyone to know he's so drunk right now. I've been staring at his face now for however long we've been talking. <coughs> he's so drunk. I am, I am toasty. <laughs> I am dangerously toasty. Um, but no, it's been fun. It's been, it's been interesting. I hope I wasn't bad. Okay. I'm going to, let me quickly to end this then. Yep. I'm going to critique you as the interview is a guest oh, and wow, then you critique nice. me as a host okay okay literally like 30 seconds right. you answered my questions you were to the point and you didn't act like you were drunk the whole way through right that's all good sounds like an exit interview <laughs> so how was i as a host because well, i you botched the intro you botched the outro um <laughs> Hey, you didn't even prep me on the outro. You only prepped me on the intro and I botched that are, so many there's times. 16 podcasts on this series, not including this one. And you've listened to every single one. So Dude. you know what happens at the end. They don't. Um, I'm not done. <laughs> no, you were, you were, you were good. I, I obviously not knowing what you were going to ask me is uh, a little bit dangerous because having had a drink and not being completely all about myself right now, I might have dangerously said stuff. <laughs> That I shouldn't say, which I hope I didn't. But see, now you know what it feels like to be on the other end, where people will say to you, 
Chris, what are we going to talk about? I need a list. Well, I'll tell, tell you me. what, I'll tell you what I am going to give myself praise for, for one thing, because yeah. I might be the only person that's been on the Chris Carl Photography Podcast that's spoken into the microphone. <laughs> uh, it's been really cool. I have learned a lot and I think I want to host again. Yeah, you can, what I'll do is I'll get someone in, you can host it and I won't even be here. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then I can just listen to it and critique. <laughs>